Okay, we are in Exodus chapter 5 tonight, and I want you to just go ahead and, and turn there. We'll, uh, we'll be going through the whole chapter tonight. It's just 23 verses, so it shouldn't be just a very long message, but um, we're in Exodus chapter 5. Now, over the last several weeks, we've been, uh, we've been following, of course, this story, this narrative, and uh, we started out talking about the, uh, uh, the preparation uh, of Israel and, and for the Exodus and all that. Uh, we call those, those first several chapters the, uh, the preparation. We have the, uh, the preparation of the people in chapter 1 where uh, we saw that a Pharaoh arose who knew not Joseph and, of course, he became very hostile towards the Israelite people. Um, he wanted to know why there were so many of these Israelites or Hebrews in his land and he was worried that they may try to rise up against him in some way. And so he decided to come up with a plan to, uh, to rid them from the land. And so he tried a couple of different things. He, uh, he tried working them to death. Uh, that, of course, didn't work. He tried killing off the babies uh, through the midwives. And then when that didn't work, he, he commanded the people uh, to begin throwing the, uh, the newborn sons into the river. Uh, and so we know, of course, that uh, that Moses was able to escape that. Uh, God had definitely plans for him and plans for Israel. And so, uh, but we called that chapter, that first chapter, we called it the preparation of the people because they had been living, uh, relatively, they have been living in peace there in, in Egypt for all that time. Uh, they had comfort. They had the best of the land. And, you know, it would have been, if things were still comfortable when Moses had shown up, they may not have been ready to go. Uh, but when this Pharaoh arose, I'm not sure, I don't know that anybody knows exactly how long they were in this slavery as far as the hardship of it went uh, when, when Pharaoh really turned against them and all this stuff started happening. We know it was at least 80 years that, uh, that they were in this hard bondage uh, that Pharaoh had pressed on them, at least 80 years, because uh, when Moses was born in chapter 2, we cover an 80-year period of time uh, where God is preparing the man and so he prepared the people in chapter 1, and then chapter uh, 2 he prepared the man. And, of course, uh, we talked about how that Moses' life, uh, basically the first 40 years he spent in Egypt learning how to be a leader, and then uh, the next 40 years he spent in the fields with sheep learning how to, uh, to be a shepherd and learning the wilderness and uh, all those different things. And so uh, God was preparing him for this great task that he had given him to do. Well, then uh, we looked at the call, and we actually did that in two parts. We, uh, we had the call of Moses where uh, Moses was leading his sheep over to the backside of the, uh, the, the mountains or the backside of the wilderness. We called it the backwoods or uh, just kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And he looks up on the mountaintop, sees this bush that's burning, turns aside to go see what it is, and it's sky. God begins to speak uh, to him from the burning bush and says, I know what my people are going through. I've heard their cries and know their suffering. And I'm going to send you to go and to bring my people out and, uh, and bring them back to this mountain. And I'm going to teach them my ways. And, of course, I'm going to take them to the land flowing with milk and honey. And Moses was uh, probably happy that God was going to do this. He wasn't as happy that God wanted him to do it. And so he began arguing with God. And he asked him two questions there uh, in chapter 3. He asked him, first of all, he said, Who am I? Who am I that you would send me? to go and to do this great job. And so God told him who he was. And, uh, and then he said, who are you? And who are, when I go to them and they don't believe me, who do I say has sent me? 
And so God said, I am that I am. And we said that was kind of a, a play off of the, a play off of the word uh, Jehovah or Yahweh. Uh, it was actually a different form of that word. I am that I am. And we're going to talk about uh, that word, that name Jehovah a little bit more tonight. But then in the fourth chapter, uh, we see a couple more uh, objections that Moses had, uh, some complaints or, uh, you, you know, this conversation gets a little bit deeper with God. And he argues back and forth for a little while, comes up with some other excuses for why I can't do this. God takes care of every one of those excuses. And finally, he just gets mad and said, Moses, you're going, okay? And, and if you don't think you could talk, I know Aaron can, so I'm going to send him with, him with you, but you are going to go and you are going to talk to Pharaoh and, and I'm going to put my words in your mouth and that you're going to deliver this message for me. And so that's where we find ourselves in chapter 5. Moses has, is at 80 years of age now, 80 years old, and he is traveling from Midian over back to the land of Egypt and he is going to go and to talk to Pharaoh. And what we're looking at tonight is the proposition. He's going to make a proposition to Pharaoh. He's going to make an offer he can't refuse, right? And, uh, but, but Pharaoh's going to refuse it. And he's going to refuse it again and again and again. And that, of course, is going to begin bringing some consequences on Pharaoh and on Egypt. Uh, but anyway, we see this proposition tonight in uh, verses, chapter 5 and, and verses 1 through 23, of course. Now, the first thing we'll look at is the message, and that's what Moses originally comes up with uh, to Pharaoh. He comes with a message from God. We find that in verses 1 through 5. But before we get started, how about we pray? God, we thank you for the day. God, direct me to what I need to say. Use these words for your honor and glory. Teach us, bring us closer to you, and Lord, just give me clarity and, and uh, just help me to, to speak your word um, clear and in a way that can be applied. We thank you for all that you have done. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we look at the message in verses 1 through 5. Now, the first thing that we see in verse 1 are ambassadors of the sovereign God, as we find in chapter 5, verse 1. It says, And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. As we said, they are ambassadors of the sovereign God. When Moses and Aaron came in before Pharaoh, I want you to notice they didn't come in the name of another God, but they came in the name of the God, the, the sovereign God. And sovereign, of course, meaning that He is higher than all, that, that everyone and everything answers to Him. And uh, He is the, the King, literally the King of the universe. He is the sovereign God. And that is the, the name of uh, in whom you know they they approached uh, the Pharaoh with. Now they did not approach Pharaoh asking permission, but they came demanding that he let them go in the name of the Lord and Creator of all. So they stand before Pharaoh, and uh, you know I don't think they were meek at all in the sense of uh, you know making themselves puny or in the sense of uh, of showing weakness or, or showing uh, gentleness. I, I think they came in with boldness before the Pharaoh. And they said, I have a, a word from you. It's a word from the Lord. Let my people go. Let them go. And let them go out into the wilderness and uh, hold a feast uh, unto me. Now, I want us to imagine Pharaoh's position here. This would much be like us standing before the president 
and telling him that God demands that all Christians be allowed to pull away from the U.S. and become their own nation. Now, can you imagine that? Imagine a pastor walking up, knocking on the White House door, and uh, walking into the Oval Office and saying, I have a message from God. Uh, he says that uh, he wants you to let all of his people go. They're not going to be a part of your nation anymore. Uh, they're they're going to go off and be their own nation. And so that's it. That's basically just let them go. Uh, how do you think that's going to go over? <laughs> I'm not trying to start a uh, none of that here. But let's keep in mind that the uh, the Hebrew people were part of the nation of Egypt. They, they were uh, of that, that nation of Egypt. They were under uh, the Pharaoh's rule. And, of course, he, he was benefiting a lot from them, just like the president benefits a lot from us as far as taxes and things like that are concerned. I mean, you imagine taking all the Christians out of America and you're going to lose a lot of taxpayers, right? And uh, so you imagine taking the Hebrew people. That's where all their labor was. And they may not, I don't know, they probably were giving some tribute to, to the Pharaoh, of course, but uh, they were slaves and they were doing all, uh, free labor, and uh, he, would, he was losing all this. And so you can imagine, you know, Pharaoh looking at Moses and thinking, have you lost your mind? You know, uh, I, I'm not going to do that. And that, of course, is, is definitely his attitude uh, towards Moses in the next several verses. We see in verses 2 through 4, animosity from the foolish king in verses 2 through 4. Now, he asked a question there. In uh, verses 2 through 3, he says, Who is Yahweh? Who is Jehovah? Who is the Lord? And keep in mind, in the, uh, the Old Testament, when you see all capitals on L-O-R-D, Lord, that's, it's to show you that this is the name for Jehovah or Yahweh. Um, and so in verses 2 through 3, we find the Pharaoh's answer there. He says, and Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. Pharaoh asked this question. He says, Who is Yahweh? And again, we, we kind of can, can relate to this by imagining uh, someone walking before the president uh, of the U.S. and saying, uh, you know, God said, let, let, the, let my people go. And uh, you can almost imagine a president coming back and saying, who's God? Why am I going to listen to him? <laughs> now, hopefully, we, you know, we don't want a president like that, but we could definitely see how someone in power would, would have that question who you know who uh, who is God that that I should answer to Him at all? Now I want you to notice when He says, "Who is the Lord?" or "Who is Yahweh?" This question was an insult. It wasn't. He wasn't asking for information. He didn't want a, a description of who God was or a testimony. He didn't want to be preached to. He didn't. He didn't want a message of, of who this Lord was. He would. I think he probably maybe recognized. Uh, that this was evidently a God that they really feared to trust. But, but he came back and he said, Who is the Lord? In other words, why do I care what He wants? What, why does this mean anything to me? You're coming to me in the name of the Lord? Who's that? I'm not letting them go. Now remember that the Egyptians had many gods. They worshiped many gods. And I know there was 
over over 50 different gods at least that uh, that they worshipped and uh, prayed to. They worshipped all these different gods. The Israelites had one god. And I want you to remember where Pharaoh was. Pharaoh was in Egypt, which was a world power at the time. And with all his many gods that he worshipped, he, you know, he had been elevated to a place of, of, you know, of world power where the Hebrew people who had this one God, this Lord that Moses came, you know, uh, came with, and all the Hebrew people were slaves. You can't imagine where, where Pharaoh was coming from here. Why should I listen? Listen, your God, the God of the Hebrews has sat back and, I mean, we've completely taken over you guys. I mean, we, we, why, if he's so great, if I should fear him, then why has he allowed all these things to happen to the Hebrew people? I mean, look at all the power we have over them. You can just imagine the attitude, of course, that was uh, coming from the Pharaoh. If Yahweh was any God to fear, surely he would, have, uh, would not have allowed his people to be so poorly treated. And so in this sense, what we find here is that Pharaoh was exalting himself above the Lord. And I think it's also uh, probably good to point out that uh, many times uh, the Pharaohs uh, would actually be worshipped as gods themselves. And so he, he really was exalting himself. Who's God? that I, you know, should listen to anything that he has to say. Now, the second question he asks is, is why do you bother me? In verse, in verse 4, we see uh, this. It says in verse 4, And the king of Egypt said to them, Wherefore do you, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works get you unto your burdens? Pharaoh could not believe that Moses and Aaron had the audacity to come and demand that his servants be given a vacation to go worship a God that he didn't even recognize. Uh, or, uh, to put verse 4 into our terms, this is basically what he was saying to Moses. He says, leave me alone and you go mind your own business. You, you let them do their work and you go mind your business. Why are you bothering me with this? Get out. Now, when Pharaoh asked the question, who is the Lord? Again, I don't think he was looking for an answer. But Moses gave one anyway. Uh, in the very names themselves, Moses described who this Lord was, whose authority uh, that he had come uh, to approach the Pharaoh Now, whether it's Pharaoh on the throne or the atheist in the street, man's own rejection of God has caused him to ask the same question for thousands of years. Who is God? And this may be a, le a legitimate question at times. There may be people really in search of answers who ask, who is God? Tell me. Tell me about this God that you worship. Tell me about this God that you believe in. But most often, especially what we've seen uh, in the latter days, uh, most often it's a question out of pride and rebellion. They, people don't really care who God is. They challenge His authority. They challenge His that, he's, that He even exists. But we find the answers to who this is in these verses. First of all, in verse 1, 
we see that He is the eternal source of all life and power. Let's look back up at, at 5 verse 1. And we're just going to look at the names themselves. Moses went in and told Pharaoh, he says, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Now again, I know that y'all probably get tired of all the Hebrew and Greek lessons and all that, but I want us to look at that first name, Lord, capital L-O-R-D, the first name Lord, and what, what name do we say that was in Hebrew? Yahweh. Yahweh, right. Yahweh. Yahweh, of course, means, basically, as we, when we look back at it, when he said, I am the I am, uh, the, word, the name Yahweh signifies him as being the self-existent God. In other words, he's not a God that is made by man's hands, but he's the, the very God that made man with his own hands. Uh, Yahweh has no beginning. There, there's not a beginning point with him. The, he never came into existence. He always has been. He always will be. And uh, that's all this stuff. I mean, we could just keep going on and on and on. But all this is wrapped up just in that, in that first name, Lord or, or Yahweh there. Um, but what's also wrapped up in that, uh, in that verse is that he is the, not only is he self-existent himself and always has been and always will be, uh, not only is he life, but he is the source of all life and power. So this self-existent Yahweh, the self-existent God, it was from his being, from his state of existence that all other things came into existence. And so all life proceeded from Him and then yet He continues to be the sustainer of all that is and that lives as well. So what this, that name itself just eradicated need for any of the other gods of Egypt. The Lord, Yahweh, God, now, let's look at the second name there. He says, the Lord, and then we have the, the God, G-O-D, Elohim, the Lord God. This name means that He is the sovereign authority over all creation. If we look back at Genesis chapter 1, uh, every time that it says God, God said this, God said that, I know we've been over this before, but every time that, that word God is Elohim, which in the Hebrew is plural. It's not singular. It's plural. And I know that it's probably been pointed out several times to you, but uh, in the Hebrew language, you actually have three different, uh, when we're talking about plurality and things like that, a number, you have singular, you have plural, but then you also have a dual as well. And there's many uh, nouns, things like that, that are in the dual. Dual means what? That was easy, wasn't it? I was holding it up. So we have singular, we have dual, which means two, and then we have plural, which is three or more. The name Elohim is plural. If you remember when it says he got down to man and, and uh, he created man, and it says that Elohim, God said, let us. Who is he talking to? He's talking within, within the Trinity. And he says, let us make man an hour own image. Well, consequently, that number three, that plural, Trinity, we know that God is triune, right? He's God, uh, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That also has, uh, uh, it signifies a complete authority overall. 
And so he says he's the Lord, he's self-existent, he's Elohim. That means that he, is, uh, he has complete authority, sovereign authority over everything that has been created. And guess who that included? Pharaoh. <laughs> the Lord God. And then we find in verse 3 just another little uh, glimpse into who this God was. He's the righteous judge over all beings. Now, Pharaoh got a little snotty with Moses, and Moses answered him back there in verse 3. Pharaoh wanted to know, Who is the Lord? And Moses said in verse 3, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days journey to the desert and sacrifice unto the Lord our God. And I want you to notice this, Lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. In other words, Pharaoh, you better listen to what he says or you may just get to find out yourself who he is <laughs> a lot sooner than you hoped. His wrath, his judgment, and of course, uh, if he is the source of all life and power, if he is the, the sovereign authority over everything that exists, then he is also very much the righteous judge to whom all will give an answer. I believe, I'll interject some Philipsology in here, but I, I truly believe that one of the reasons why people are so set against there being a God and why people strive so hard to prove or, or to, uh, to argue out of their minds the existence of a God is because if God does exist, if God is real, if there is a God that presides over everything, that designed and created everything, then it's, I mean, it's inevitable that one day we must answer to Him. And that scares people. It ought to scare people. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. If God exists, there's going to be judgment. There's going to be an answer to Him one day. And so people will, will strive as hard as they can to... Uh, find you know, find some kind of answer uh, aside from God for how things are, why things are. Um, but it just boils down to the fact that there is a God, that He did create us, that He has a purpose for us. And if we don't live up to that purpose, then we're going to, of course, have to experience the uh, the judgment for that. Now we see Pharaoh's madness in verses 5 through 19. First thing Pharaoh does is he increases the labor. And remember that the labor had already been placed so hard upon them that I'm sure many died just under the workload itself. But he increases the labor in verses 5 through 9. Let's go ahead and read a few of those verses there. Uh, let's see, verse 5, it says, And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and you make them rest from their burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, You shall no more give to the people straw to make brick as heretofore, or as you have before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And the tail of bricks which they did make uh, heretofore, you shall lay upon them. You shall not diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. Therefore they cry, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let their more work be laid upon the men that they may labor therein, and let them not regard vain words. Now, in an effort to show how defiant the Pharaoh could be, 
Uh, he not only refused to allow the Hebrews to go, but he added to their workload. And to this point, remember that the Hebrews had to uh, make their own bricks uh, out of straw and mud. And evidently the straw up until this point had been provided for them. Uh, who knows who went and did that? Maybe they had some other servants. Who knows who, who brought the straw in to them? But they had the straw that was being cut and being brought in. And then, of course, take, making a brick took a little bit. <laughs> and they would have to take the straw and mix it with mud and, I guess, shape it or form it. Or I don't know exactly how they did that. But then they had to dry it out in the sun until it got hard enough to go and to make uh, the buildings that they were, uh, they were putting together. Uh, and, and so that itself was a, an enormous workload. But Pharaoh said, from now on, you're going to go gather your own straw. Not only are you going to have to make the bricks and then build your buildings, he says, but first you're going to have to go pick the straw and, uh, or cut the straw. And, and let's keep in mind that we're not talking about little piles of straw. <laughs> I mean, this was a lot of work for them to go out and just cut the straw. Anybody ever cut straw by hand? Cut hay? Cotton? Chopped cotton? We got any cotton choppers out here? All right, so just imagine, and you're in Egypt, so it's hot. Well, okay, we're in Florida, so I guess you can identify with that. But, uh, but you, you understand what I'm saying. They had to go out. And then he said on top of that, not one ounce of work is to be hindered. You're not to fall, you're not to fall behind on any of the, uh, the tasks that you have been given. It's all supposed to, uh, you're supposed to keep up with it all. Now, what was the purpose for all this punishment? He said, they're idle. They're lazy. They want a vacation. They got too much time on their hands. And so we'll make sure they have enough to do. We see the laborers in force in verses 10 through 14. It says, And the taskmasters of the people went out and their officers, and they spake to the people, saying, Thus saith the Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go ye, get your own straw, or get you straw where you can find it. Uh, yet not all of your work shall be diminished. In other words, not any of your work will, be, uh, will, will get behind. You won't fall behind in your work. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters hasted them, saying, Fulfill your work, your daily tasks, as when there was straw. Let's see, we're going to 14. It says, And the officers of the children of the Israel, uh, which Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and demanded... Wherefore have you not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today as heretofore? Or in other words, as you have before. We see the labors intensified in verses 15 through 19. Uh, burdened by their new workload, we find some representatives from the Hebrews going and begging Pharaoh for mercy. They go in, uh, in verse 15, the officers of the children of Israel came and cried unto Pharaoh, saying, Wherefore dealest thou thus? with thy servants. Why are you treating us like this? <laughs> what have we done to you, Pharaoh? There is no straw given unto thy servants. And they say to us, Make brick. And behold, thy servants are beaten, but the fault is not in thine own people. Now, the, uh, the representatives of Israel, they're going to Pharaoh, and they're just bewildered by what's going on. They, they say, Pharaoh, why are you doing this to us? We don't have any straw to make the brick and, and uh, they're not giving the straw to us and so we're not getting the work done and they're beating us for it and it's not even our fault because we don't have the straw. And I, I'm sure that they were hoping that Pharaoh would uh, have some compassion on them. But Pharaoh instead, like a madman, screamed, You're lazy. You're lazy. 
If you have time to go and worship your God, then you have time to complete the work. Now go. And we see that Pharaoh expected the full tail of bricks to be completed. And uh, that little phrase, tail of bricks, means the, the full daily tally. Anybody ever tallied before? And uh, he, in other words, not one is to be left off. You complete the whole, the whole daily task. Uh, I think we find his answer there. Let's see. Let's look, let's look at verse 17. He says, in verse 17, But you are idle, you are idle. Therefore you say, Let us go and do sacrifice unto the Lord. Go therefore now and, and work, for there shall no straw be given to you, yet you shall deliver the tail of bricks, that full tally that we just spoke about. In verse 19 it says, The officers of the children of Israel did see that they were in evil case after it was said, you shall not minish aught from your bricks of your daily task. Now I have a little section here that says the lesson applied. Any subject who has ever had to take a stand for God has felt the weight of their leader's disregard for the Lord. Whether that be between a king and a people, between a master and slave, or employer and employee, uh, or even a father and son. When a, a person of God, a, a, a godly person, takes a stand for what's right, takes a stand against their leader, or takes a stand uh, you know, for, for the word, or, or for morals, or whatever it may be, when he stands up for what's right, um, and they have a, a, a master of whatever sort that is an unbeliever, um, they're, they're going to feel the weight of, uh, of that person's wrath or that person's anger, and I'm sure that if uh, you know if I went around and asked, have you ever been treated poorly by a boss because you were a Christian, or have you ever been treated poorly by you know just whoever it may be because you're a Christian? I guarantee you, all of us have some stories that we could tell. I've got some stories I could tell, and uh, you know, uh, I mean, it just it happens and. Of course, the nation of Israel was definitely feeling this, and uh, they, of course, it was much, probably much more intense than what we've ever experienced in, in that sense. But uh, you know, they definitely felt the weight of their their master's anger, and even in those difficult circumstances, I want you to notice that God doesn't tell us to run or to quit. If you're in a workplace and your boss is being is treating you badly. I mean, he doesn't tell us to run away or to switch jobs. Um, now, if he leads us to do that, that, that's one thing. But notice that he didn't tell he didn't tell Moses and Aaron to run away because Pharaoh uh, didn't listen, didn't like what they said. But they had to keep going before him. They had to keep standing before him. And uh, and of course. Uh, God was going to be the one to take care of that. And that's kind of what I have here. God doesn't tell us to run or quit. He says, he says stand still. Why do we need to stand still? Stand still and let Him work. That's the difference, uh, our men that were in the men's meeting the other night, it's the difference between reacting and responding to, uh, to hard circumstances. And uh, responding is when we, we decide that we're going to stay out of it and we're let God take care of it. And uh, that's what God wants us to do. Now, very quickly, we have the murmuring in verses 20 through 23. 
we see the officer's complaint, verses 20 and 21. It says, And they met Moses as they're leaving from Pharaoh, from Pharaoh, as they're leaving from the Pharaoh. Uh, they meet Moses and Aaron, who stood in the way uh, as they came forth from Pharaoh. So you can imagine them walking out of the palace, and they've got their head down and, and probably mouths wide open, just you know, getting total shock as to what's going on. And uh, they walk by, and there's Moses and Aaron standing there, and I'm sure their fingers wanted to go straight at them. What have y'all done to us? You know, everything was fine until you came along. You're messing everything up. I mean, it, we, it was already hard enough for us here, and now here you are, you're, you're uh, stirring the pot. It says uh, in verse 21, And they said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge, because you have made our Savior to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh. What does that mean? He said, you made us stink to Pharaoh. In the eyes of his servants to put a sword in their hand to slay us. Moses and Aaron, distraught by the findings of uh, you know, what has taken place here with Pharaoh and the reaction of, of Egypt and all this, uh, and Moses and Aaron go back to the Lord. It says in verse 22, Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? God, why did you even send me here if you weren't going to take care of it? Why are you letting all this happen? What is, what's going on? I don't understand what you're doing, God. He says in verse 23, For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people. Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. And I think that's where we can interject from God to Moses, stand still. You just sit back and wait. Watch. I got this. And of course, as we enter into the next chapters, next few chapters, we're going to see that he absolutely had it. <laughs> and that he was going to show all of, his, all of Israel and all of Egypt that he had it. Standing before Pharaoh in the name of a God that even the Hebrew people had forgotten was a difficult task for Moses. I want you to remember, Moses went to Pharaoh in the name of Yahweh. And God's going to tell Moses, my people don't even know me by this name yet. That was a difficult task. It took courage. It took boldness. But most of all, it took faith in God. I want you to know that God has also called us to stand before the belligerent and the unbelieving in our day. And we're to stand boldly for God's Word and unapologetically obey God's commands. And doing so is going to stir the anger of God's enemies. And people are going to get upset. People are going to get mad. People are going to point fingers. People are going to make it hard for us. It's all going to happen. Those who live godly in Christ will suffer persecution, whether it's whips, whether it's a cross, whether it's burned at a stake, whether it's just some harsh words, harder workload, less mercy, evil words against us, whatever it may be, whatever degree we want to call it, those that live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. When we take a stand for God, it's going to stir up people. But we can stand firm 
knowing that He is with us. And there's going to be times when we want to go to God. We're, we want to cry, God, I thought You led me to do this. I thought this is what You wanted from me. And here I am, and, and this is what's going on. What are You doing? And it's in those times that God has to remind us, I'm in control. You just be still. I, I haven't forgot about You. I haven't failed You. I'm not going to fail You. You just be still. Let me do my thing. And He will every single time. Any comments, questions, interjections? From anyone tonight? Nobody? Everybody tired? Yeah. I'm not sure because... Right. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure of what all may have taken place because when we leave from chapter 4 and go into chapter 5, uh, in chapter 4 he's still over in Midian. In chapter 5 he's just standing before Pharaoh. So, I mean, it would seem likely that when they came in, you know, there were probably some that were aware. I mean, either whether people knew Moses or not, people knew Aaron. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Now, if you ever watched the Ten Commandments, I think they did go and talk. I'm not sure. but Yeah, I'm not sure, but uh, they definitely, when, when those officers came back out from the palace and they looked at Moses and Aaron... They knew they were the cause of whatever's going on. So, yeah, I, I would imagine they probably had some idea of, of why Moses and Aaron, or what they were at least trying to do at the time. Anybody else? Question? Anything? What happens? Oh, and tell them what's going on? Yeah. Oh, okay. Let's see. Does that demonstration? Yeah, look at that. And Moses and Aaron went to together all the elders of the children of Israel. And these elders would have probably included some of those officers that, that went. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses. Yeah, what? Oh. And did the signs in the sight of the people, as, uh, as Katie just pointed out. And the people believed, and when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, and that He had looked upon their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. So yeah, I'm sorry, I, I totally skipped over that. Very good question. Thank you, Katie, for, uh, for finding that and pointing that out. All right, anybody else anything? Thank you for being here tonight. I hope that something we've looked at tonight is uh, stick with you and, and uh, help encourage you in some way. And let's just pray for uh, God's help and, and His blessings throughout this week. And maybe maybe we're facing something like this already, or, or maybe we will this week, not not aware of it yet. Um, but if and when that happens, let's uh, let's just remember to be still, remember that God's in control, and uh, let Him take care of whatever's happening. Let's dismiss in prayer and, 
And uh, I look forward to seeing everybody. Uh, remember, we are going to stay back just for a few seconds for anybody that doesn't mind. We're going to say a special prayer for RU, and then we'll be, uh, we'll, we'll leave. But uh, I look forward to seeing all of